G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is the first book of the New Testament, and it makes a wonderful and in some areas unique contribution. In today's program, we begin a wonderful, wonderful series called The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1. Not only is that the name, but it's also going to be the title for the whole series, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And as we begin this first book of the New Testament, we call it the Kingly Messiah, because that is the emphasis that Matthew tries to give. When you learn the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them tell the story of Jesus, his redemptive, wonderful, messianic work, but they have some different perspectives. Matthew highlights the kingly Messiah. Therefore, he's targeting his own Jewish people and showing them with lots of fulfilled prophecy why Jesus is the Messiah. The Gospel of Mark is written more for the Romans, and Jesus in Mark is action-orientated. He is the tireless servant of the Lord. In the Gospel of Luke, he's appealing to the Hellenistic world. He's highlighting that Jesus is the perfect Son of Man, since the Hellenistic or Greek world was highly humanistic. And want to see what's the, you know, the highest form of living? Well, just look at Jesus. He not only is the perfect man, but he gives you the power of an endless life. And then the Gospel of John, written by one of Jesus's closest disciples, is about his divinity. He is the Son of God. If you think of the four living creatures of Ezekiel chapter 1, or of the living creatures in the book of Revelation, It seems interesting, coincidental probably, but all those creatures correlate to a gospel. The the lion correlates to Matthew, kingly Messiah. The ox, the tireless servant, corresponds to the gospel of Mark. Then the face of a man, that has to do with, of course, Luke, son of man, perfect man. And then the gospel of John, the spiritual gospel, has to do with the eagle, representing the avian creature that can reach heavenly heights. So we begin this series knowing that in the Gospel of Matthew, 
we're going to learn things like why this gospel, or how do we know this gospel, was originally written for people who are Jewish. Some of the Old Testament prophecies that were highlighted in this gospel, we'll learn about them. We will have the meaning of the genealogy of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1. You may or may not switch off with a list of names. This one begat that one. But let me tell you, it's there for a reason, a very inspiring reason. So we'll learn about that. We will also gain insight into what is called the greatest sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount. It is so beloved, even by non-Christians. Mahatma Gandhi apparently loved it, and so do people of other religions. And then we'll also learn the importance of the parables, as well as the insights into Jesus's Olivet Discourse. Because the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, tells us about the last days, and particularly those aspects of the last days doing or dealing with the second coming of Jesus. What are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Was the question of the apostles? And chapter 24 of Matthew is his answer. And then, of course, we'll learn more about the passion of Jesus, how he suffered, and the post-resurrection incidents that are so important. As I say with every Bible book, and without hesitation, I say this about Matthew. Without question, the gospel of Matthew will change your life. And this particular series can help in that regard. So our title is called The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1. Friends, this is an introduction, the first lesson in the Gospel of Matthew. As we do in every one of the Understanding the Bible series, we have two or three programs or more on the introduction, and then we commence the verse-by-verse commentary, and then, when it's all finished, we do a summary and review. This way, you have an optimal chance of retaining what you've heard. And of course, if you want to hear it again, and you want access to the notes that I've been using for the series, that's available to you from our website, which you'll hear more about at the end of the program. So, introduction to the Gospel of Matthew, the kingly Messiah, the king of the Jews, the king of the universe. Well, the name of Matthew in the original Greek is Kata. Matthaeon, according to Matthew. Kata, K-A-T-A, Matthaeon. And the author? Well, that's pretty easy on this one. Not always easy in every book, but this one is. The general consensus is that the author is the disciple of Jesus called Matthew, Matthew Levi. And this is the testimony of the early church fathers. Eusebius, the early church historian of the 4th century A.D., quotes Papias, who said that Matthew not only wrote the gospel that bears his name, but that he originally wrote it in Aramaic before it was written in the Greek. It's the Greek manuscript that survived and what we have. Perhaps part of the reason for this is there appears to be a lot of Aramaic slash Hebraic idioms that don't come out so well in Greek, not in a perfect way, but they're there. We can explain them in other ways because, of course, we read the Bible holistically and the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, does give us a lot of insight. 
Matthew Levi was the son of Alphaeus, one of the twelve original apostles of Jesus. Now, originally, this Matthew Levi was a despised tax collector for Rome in the Galilean city of Capernaum, right on the lake. And he got up and left everything in order to follow Jesus. He is the one that gave a great reception in his home to honor Jesus. And it caused some criticism because, of course, of the guest list at that particular reception. Now, there are some who question Matthew's authorship of this gospel, because he's supposed to be one of the twelve apostles. So why does he heavily rely on Mark's gospel, so we think, who was not one of the twelve to begin with? Why isn't he a little more personal about Jesus, like John's gospel, if he was walking with him for three years plus? Now, these issues, they're worth raising, but they're not so serious. After all, there can be stylistic issues, including being more formal and less personal. I'm an author, and I know what it's like to write in a certain way that doesn't reflect how I normally talk. And sometimes I even don't recognize myself in some of the wording that I put, because there seems to be an author's voice that comes through. So I don't think we should make too much of this, because, after all, we believe that God can preserve his word, and that God is a God of truth. And so, therefore, if Matthew wrote the gospel, he wrote the gospel. If he wants to take a a distant look and put it that way, that's fine. Now, the purpose of this gospel is relatively simple. It's an outline to a primarily Jewish audience giving the case that Jesus of Nazareth is the long-awaited son of David and Messiah of Israel. Matthew does so by highlighting fulfilled Old Testament prophecy— Jesus' miraculous conception, the flight to Egypt, the use of parables, his genealogy, the witness of the triune God at his baptism, and that's a rather important point, the witness of John the Baptist, his celestial and unsurpassable sermons, his discourses, and of course, lest we forget, an emphasis on Christ's many miracles. That's the purpose building the case that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What is the theme of the Gospel of Matthew? Well, I believe it's simple, just as our title suggests. The theme is that Jesus Christ is not just the Messiah. He is the kingly Messiah. He's not just the king of the Jews. He's the king of the whole world. And when he returns, he's not just ruling over Israel on the throne of David. He's going to rule over the world. That's what it's always meant. The Lord is coming, and he's coming to judge, he's coming to rule, he's coming to bless. Now, another summary or theme for the Gospel of Matthew is found in the very first verse. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And it reads, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right, three very important men here. Jesus. David, Abraham. They're not just famous characters of the Bible, especially David and Abraham. They also represent two of the most important covenants in the Bible. Friends, covenant is very, very important. Covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. Keep the terms of the covenant and there's great blessing. Violate the terms of the covenant and it's a disaster. Covenant in many ways is like 
a good marriage. When a marriage has a covenantal relationship, in other words, it's, it's contractual, it's a partnership, then everyone is blessed, especially if there's a family involved, because the family raised in the nurture and admonition of God becomes a great blessing to society. But if a marriage fails, then yeah, it's painful and there's a high price. That's what covenant is like. And there's two important covenants here, represented by these two men, David and Abraham. Well, the Abrahamic covenant, well, let me explain it this way. Jesus is called the son of David, which means he is the heir of David who will sit on David's throne forever. Luke 1, 33. To call him the son of David is synonymous for calling him the Messiah. The Greek name for Messiah is Christ. And Christ or Messiah, Hebrew and Greek, means the anointed one. To call Jesus the son of Abraham means that he is the promised seed that brings blessing to the world. Genesis twelve three. Yet like Isaac, the son of Abraham, who was nearly sacrificed in the land of Moriah, Genesis 22, 1-18, Jesus was sacrificed for the sins of the world, something explained in Matthew 26-28. through 28. It's interesting, but tradition says that Isaac was nearly sacrificed, not just in the land of Moriah, but in on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And Calvary, where Jesus was definitely sacrificed, not a near miss, it was a total hit, also happened in, well, what do we call it? Also happened near or on Mount Moriah. So there is the Davidic covenant where God promises a king, in the lineage of David, who will rule the world in righteousness, but also will be divine as well as human. Son of David, son of God. You can read that in First Chronicles 17. And then the Abrahamic covenant is where God says that in you, Abraham, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. According to Paul in Galatians, seed is speaking of one person, not of many. And that seed is Christ. So, simple phrase here. First verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That is saying a lot. And it would have meant a lot to a Jewish audience. And friends, I believe it should mean something to us today. Well, as in every book of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, there is a portrait of Christ. We know that Jesus is the kingly Messiah. He is the son of David, the son of Abraham, and he's represented by the lion. What else do we know? What other names or titles does Jesus have? Well, there's a few here in the Gospel of Matthew. He's referred to, of course, as Jesus. In fact, it says in Matthew one twenty one, and you shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Matthew one twenty three, he's called Emmanuel. God is with us. And then in Matthew 2, in verse 2, as well as 21.5, he's referred to as the King of the Jews. In fact, that was the label put upon his cross for the crime, inverted commas, that he committed against Rome. Audacity of being a king. But that's why he came to the world, and that's why he's coming again to be king. And then he's called governor in Matthew 2, verse 6, 
He is called a Nazarene in Matthew 2.23. He shall be called a Nazarene. And we'll elaborate more on that. And then in chapter 4, verse 3, he's called the Son of God. He is also called Master in Matthew 8.19. He is Master, which is, of course, the same as saying he is Lord. But in the very next verse, Matthew 8.20, he's called Physician. He is the physician. He brings healing to our needy souls. In Matthew 9.15, he's called the bridegroom. And then in verse 19 of Matthew 9, he's called, this is an interesting one, the friend of sinners. That's a sermon in itself. This holy, pristine, pure, sinless son of God is the friend of sinners. Amazing that he would humble himself to be friends of those of us, which is all of us, that are unworthy. How is he the friend of sinner? He gave his life for us. He gave his life for our sins. Amazing. He's called in chapter 12, 18, the beloved. In chapter 13, 3, the sower of seed. And again, in Matthew 27, 37, he's called king of the Jews. These are some of the amazing portraits of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, the book of the kingly Messiah, son of David, the Christ. Of course, there is so much more to learn about this Gospel. We're only getting started. And I look forward to a great time together with you as we proceed through Matthew, particularly verse by verse. I call it part one because as a series, it'll be so lengthy that it really deserves a second part, if not more. We'll see how we go in this great, great gospel. So, what is our lesson? Our lesson is that the gospel of Matthew is written, first of all, for Jewish people to understand that Jesus is the Christ. But it's not just for Jewish people. The gospel of Matthew is for the world. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also, go to our homepage at tan.org.au and subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter. We want to provide for you value-added information to help you to become future-ready. And we do so with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Gospel of Matthew, what it teaches us about the person and work of your Son, Jesus. Help us to see the Gospel for what it is, and once the good seed is deposited in our hearts, help us to run with it. Through the glorious and matchless name of Jesus, Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.